We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the making. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo with the gang. We're all here. Johnny Gomez, Steve Ribeiro, Michael Stewart, Brian Juwano, Tommy Avance. We're all here to put a cap on the 2019 Rams and look into 2020. I'm going to start with Johnny. Johnny, how you doing, man? Can't complain at all. So I have to ask you a question, though. You did honestly ask, can you come drunk? Did you show up drunk? <laughs> as much as I would have liked to, I decided it was better for the audience that uh, I showed up sober. Debatable. Debatable. <laughs> Debatable. I'm going to go, Tommy, you were there yesterday. How you doing? 
I'm alive, I'll tell you that, man. It was a rough day. We had a lot of fun. We had a lot of drinks. We got to go on the fields. They let all the fans on the field after the game for the quote-unquote fireworks show, which was more like a bunch of Roman candles popping off in my backyard with a couple of Meisterbrows. <laughs> so, it was less than stellar, let's just say that. Okay, well, fireworks aside, how was the experience overall shutting down the Coliseum for NFL football? It was great. The way they had the field painted, everything was just super throwback to the history of the franchise. The, the turnout was amazing. We're eliminated from the playoffs, and that stadium was packed, and it was rocking, and it was a lot of fun. It was cool to see that. And one interesting thing to see during the game were the pictures of the, the log jams at the gate as if the NFL finally discovered, at least media-wise, to post all the pictures who were stuck of people well, people who were stuck at the gate instead of you know trying to make some kind of agenda about Rams fans not showing up. Brian, you were there, weren't you? I was, I was. I uh, cuddled with Tommy for a little bit, or maybe a lot. I'll have to agree that those fireworks were very weak. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was cool to be down on the field and whatnot, but fireworks were weak. It was a good showing. I was actually shocked at the amount of fans that came for the last game, knowing it really didn't mean anything, so... That was good. The uh, end zones, the way they were painted, was awesome. Um, I think, if I remember correctly, Mark's wife passed out during the game, but you know she made it through. So you know it was a good time. <laughs> well, hey, she passed out, but that makes it great. I mean, I would just want to ask you one thing: when you were you know cuddling up next to Tommy, were you whispering sweet nothings in his ear? Um, I was just kind of you know in his ear, just going, "Well done, Sanchez." <laughs> And one more time for all of us, can you just give me the Derek voice? Hi, buddy. The Derek <laughs> voice. How I talk at, at night to my wife. Oh, gosh. Now I got creepy. Okay. Steve, out there in New York, how you doing, bud? Doing all right, man. Uh, I got to be honest, because I'm always honest with our listeners. Uh, I still got to watch the second half of this last game at some point. I We were done. I went to dinner. Well, Okay. Well, where'd you go to dinner at least? Was it good? I got a very delicious plate of fro- of grilled squid from a very nice Greek restaurant. It was amazing. And we won. So it all worked out. Well, Greek restaurant in New York, squid, I'm, I'm in. And finally, last but not least, former Los Angeles Rams defensive back Michael Stewart. Mike, we had a fun podcast last night kind of looking towards the future. We didn't even really talk about the Coliseum. You didn't get to play there. But you played in front of many a California faithful. Uh, what kind of significance does the end of the Coliseum era really bring check, you know, check. for the Rams? I got to play there t- on two occasions. Oh, you did? Uh, oh, because you played Raiders the Raiders. And, yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, but it, it'll be, uh, you know, I heard about the Coliseum growing up. My parents actually lived a couple blocks over uh, before I was born. Uh, my brother was born in Los Angeles. So, uh, Coliseum, man, it'll be interesting. But uh, man, looking forward to breaking open that new stadium in Inglewood. And how many of you are going to be there next year for season tickets, Tommy? I know you oh, are. Man. Yes, trust me, my wallet knows. That's for sure. <laughs> Brian, <laughs> uh, I'm going to pick and choose which games I go to. I, something about putting a 47 year down commitment down uh, just doesn't really tickle my wallet very well. So I'll be at a lot of games. I don't think I'm going to. Put down the season ticket commitment, though. Johnny, yeah, pretty much in the same boat as Brian. I can't, I can't, you know, drop down that kind of cash. <laughs> now, Steve, you're out in New York. Are you gonna try and make one? 
Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely gonna try and go to a game. I've been, I've been waiting to go because I. No offense, guys. I didn't really want to fly out across the country to go to the Coliseum. Uh, he, no offense taken. Uh, <laughs> snooty tooty. <laughs> but in he fairness, to go to the, he wants to go to the restrooms with the bidets in them. Absolutely, man. <laughs> flying cross country, I'm, I'm getting my money's worth. Right. You're going to be ordering your beer from a iPad in your fancy right. seats. God damn yeah, right. It's going to be a lot of fun. We actually, I actually have a buddy of mine. Uh, his firm has a suite at the new stadium, and uh, he told us that they're going to give it to him for a few games and let us know. So when he does, I'm going to sell my tickets to fellow Rams fans. Obviously not going to sell them on the aftermarket to the visiting fans because that's not how we roll. Yeah. And in fairness here, too, it's anything is going to be that gateway for the Coliseum after a long day out there in Hellgate land where you guys are growing like crazy, having a great time. Then waiting 45 minutes, 90 minutes, whatever, just to get into the stadium. That sucks, man. Uh, it's The Coliseum, for all its glory, just was not NFL Stadium anymore, and it is about time to get out of there. Mike, what about you? Yeah, man, I will make a few games, but, you know, we'll be in the thick of playoffs uh, and, and playing football down here for high school, so... Uh, but I definitely will. One of my sons has season tickets, so I'm sure I'll be at a few of those. All right, and... Who knows if I'm going to make it next year? I mean, Tommy has a standing offer for me, so i got to make at least one game, I think. That's the goal. Folks, before we move on and actually get into the brunt of the conversation, we just want to let you know we are sponsored by Jim Hawkins, Book Hollow's team. We also remind you that we're anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, Spreaker, Apple Music. That's where we have that contest that's ongoing. It's been going on since longer since the, I don't know, I mean, at least 100,000 years. The dawn of time. This is how it works. Once the 205 stars are reviews, we're going to get one lucky winner. We'll get a full gift certificate, a jersey, personalized jersey, to NFLShot.com. All you got to do is take a screenshot of your five-star review. You got to write it out. Send it to us at RamsTop1945, the copy of your entry, so we know who to reward, and we'll also read the feedback on the show. All right, so here we go. First question, I'm going to start with Brian first, because I get the feeling Brian will, will be ready to roll. Brian. Do you consider this season to be a bad season? Why or why not? I wouldn't call it a bad season. Um, I mean, obviously, we didn't make the playoffs, so, I mean, that hurts. But, you know, I just think back to, you know, the Rams, you know, last few years before McVay took over. And, I mean, getting to seven wins was like a victory, so... You've had three seasons under McVeigh, and you've had three winning seasons. So I'm not going to call it, you know, a bad season by any means because they still had a winning season. But it was just very inconsistent. You know, we just couldn't figure out what was going on. Like one week the defense showed up, one week it didn't. One week the offense showed up, one week it didn't. I don't know. Jared Goff maybe he's hitting the bottle. I have no clue. But you know, there there was a there was a lot of positives that I'll take away from the season. You know, Tyler Higby stepping up. Um, watching Corey Littleton ball out at no linebacker. I mean, you know, got to see Taylor Rapp, even though, you know, a lot of people are going to have bad taste in his mouth, uh, in their mouth about, you know, the third and 16 he gave up against the Niners. Had a great rookie season. So, I mean, there's, there's a, there's a lot to be positive about. I'm, I'm excited for the next season. I'm excited for the new stadium. And, uh, yeah, I don't, overall, you know, it was a great season. It was fun to be a Rams fan and go to so many damn games. Mike, 
do you consider the season to be a bad season? Why or why not? No, I, I consider it to be more of a learning season in the sense of, you know, got a new coach who's now not so new. You got new position players, golf, girly, you know, some of the things, uh, you know, hopefully it's growing pains this year. Everybody got a chance to learn that it's just not that easy to get back. You have to prepare. You have to come out week in and week out, play consistent ball. Uh, but there's been a lot of shuffling. So with all the shuffling, the injuries, and a little bit of the unpredictability of the season, uh, I'm just going to chalk it up for a learning season, and hopefully it'll pay dividends for year, uh, years to come. Tommy. What's cracking? Your thoughts, bad season or not? How could it be a bad season at 9-7? and seven? I mean, yeah, I don't know. A lot of bad coaching. That's all I got to say. So you you you're putting this square on coaching overall. Yeah, yeah, we have a good team, dude. I uh, I mean, you picked the wrong five guys to start the season on the offensive line. You drafted really good ones, but the guys you put out there week 1, you thought were better than the guys you didn't and you obviously were wrong. Decision making on stuff like that bites you in the butt, you know? Um missing field goals left and right. Just there was a lot of mistakes um i know it's cliche to say we beat ourselves but we beat ourselves a lot this year a lot of the teams that we lost to um i mean look at what we did last week against the 49ers you know if that doesn't tell you you're good i don't know what does i think we're fine man we just need a few tweaks here or there and we'll be okay All right. johnny this is a weird season i'll say just because Considering that the Rams went to the Super Bowl last season, I think it's difficult to say this was a good season considering they missed the playoffs. That being said, being in one of the best divisions in football, all the injuries that happened, the uh, the missed opportunities, I'll say, I, I don't know if I can say it's a bad season. But I can't say it's a good season either. It's a weird season just because you you had so many opportunities and a lot of them were kind of squandered over something so pointless. You know, the 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 way the players were put into motion there from the start of the season, you know, just making questionable player decisions. Uh, some of the coaching was just really off. Yeah, I, I don't know if I could call this a good or a bad season, but if I had to pick one, I guess I would say bad because I, it's just such a horrible way to see a team that won to the Super Bowl last year and just didn't make it this season. Yeah, no, Johnny, nothing you said described a good season right there. Y'all can just say it. This was a bad season. Uh, could it have been worse? Yeah, but we went to the Super Bowl last year, like Johnny just said, and we finished nine and seven. If I told everyone here before the season we would finish nine and seven and miss the playoffs, would you consider that a bad season? All of us would have said yes. The context matters, but uh, this could have been worse. It's definitely a bad season. We have four players controlling a lot of our salary cap last this next season. Three of them played bad this year. Three of them regressed pretty hard. Uh, Jared Goff did not get better at all. I would say he got worse. He, Yeah, the line was struggling at the beginning of the year. That doesn't excuse some of the throws he made. Uh, Todd Gurley, well, I think that this wasn't entirely his fault. Nobody can sit here and act like he's the same player he was last year. Uh, Brandon Cooks just vanished. I know he was dealing with some injuries, but 
his production fell off a cliff, and we have a shitload of money tied to those guys. Uh, I don't mean to say that, like, it sounds like I'm describing a doomsday thing. I don't think that. I think that's all overblown, but at the same time, they're... I'm glad we had a winning season. It's a lot better than what we were dealing with before. But given the expectations we had, given what we saw in McVay's first two years, there's no way you can call this a good season. It's absolutely a bad season. I mean, I disagree in terms of overall where this franchise has been. This is the first time since 1999, 2000, 2001 that the team has put together three straight winning seasons. I think down the line, we may look back in history and go, yeah, that was a bad season if they don't learn from this year. If they don't actually turn around and make the adjustments on you know where teams figure them out, and if they don't figure out since contracts, which I think they will, by the way, if they don't, then history will look back and I'll go back and say, yeah, okay, I changed my mind. It was a bad season, but nine and seven, three straight winning seasons, and I gotta disagree. I think I think Jared Goff finally started actually getting some things figured out. Maybe actually, I mean, maybe getting in a filmer, maybe I don't know. In the last five games, we saw a lot better from him. Regression overall, yes, but. Figuring out towards the latter part of the year, I'm going to say yes as well. Yeah, but if are those five games? Yeah, he played well at the end of the season. He played better last year than he played at the end of this season. Uh, you could say he figured things out, but to regress as hard as he did for the first eleven games, uh, you could. It. I'm with you. I'm not like. I'm not super concerned about Goff going into next year, but it was not a good season for him, even though he picked it up at the end. Uh, compared to what he did last year and the year before and the steps he made to build on himself. All he did was just get back to close to what he was last year. I don't think he looked better uh, than he did at his best last year. No, but if you're saying overall he regressed by the end, I would say, uh, no, you turn around at some point. It's just a question of really how are you going to look at those last five games when they actually did, most of them did matter, by the way, going into next year or not. I don't see as a full regression. I, I see as a guy who... We talk about a lot. I mean, how many of us, let me just really quickly everybody say yay or nay. How many of us thought that Jared Goff probably didn't do the homework he did or should have done throughout the first part of the season, at the very least? How many would say yes, he did, or no, he didn't? Yay? No, he didn't. No, no, no. no. Probably not. It looks pretty clear. He didn't, and he he admitted it at the podium last week, so he cleared the air for all of us. I mean,. That's actually an important step, though. I mean, I think many, many young players... Tommy, you and I have talked about that numerous times about with Roger Saffold. You're young, you think you know it all, and all of a sudden you figure out, oh, crap, I need to be better. Yeah, I mean, I had in-person conversations with Roger at training camp, and we talked about him coming into the league in 2011 and, and what he did differently um, when he moved to L.A. And what he did is he hit the weights, dude. I mean, he lost all that, you know that extra body fat that he had he leaned out he got stronger and faster and he was able to um prevent a lot of those early career injuries because he wasn't working out all the time uh and you saw he was more available right when he was in los angeles did he really miss any games not very many if any at all you know it's important to get in there and work out and also get into the film room. And Jared admitted that he needs to do better at that. He didn't say that he wasn't doing it. We kind of all know that he wasn't. But he said, I'm going to do that. So hearing that from him was good. So I, we haven't heard from Brian forever now. Maybe he's still, you know, heading the game over there for Florida. But let's get to him. Brian, what was the first sign for you that this season might not go as hoped? Um, I think it was right away, actually. I mean... Watching that first game against Carolina, 
I could just see that there really wasn't an offensive identity, even though they were able to put up a decent amount of points. I could just tell that, you know, something wasn't quite right. Um, and then as, as the year went on, um, you know, I can go, you could start with the Seattle game. You could tell that something was a little off with uh, Greg Zerline a little bit, you know, uncharacteristic missing of field goals. Um, and then really, I mean, the one that really put it out there, though, was the Niner game where they just offensively couldn't do a damn thing. I mean, you could maybe point out the Bucks games right before it, but, you know, the offense still put up 45 points or whatever they put up. So, yeah, I don't know. They just looked out of sorts all year. It was very inconsistent effort. I don't know if it was effort, but inconsistent all the way around. So it was pretty obvious the writing was on the wall at the beginning of the season that something was a little off, and they never really quite got it. Tommy, what was the first time for you that the season might not go as hoped? When they look like the team in the Super Bowl, right out of the gate. I mean, I know they won their first three, but yeah. What I what I see from Jared Goff is a lot of what I used to see from Sam Bradford. A little scared to get hit. Um, I know he takes a lot of hits, and people want to say he's tough for that, but you're not tough from getting hit. If you're okay with getting hit, that's a whole different conversation. But you could tell... He's not comfortable in there, especially when the defensive lines are good. He needs to shake that off. This is football, buddy. You're going to get hit, dude. You know, he just gets a little timid. I seen him towards the end of the season step up in the pocket, and he normally doesn't do that. He runs for his life and gets sacked or fumbles the ball. Um, so I'm seeing some, a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. I just want to see a better work ethic um, from him overall. He's He's in my crosshairs, and he has been since we drafted him because, like, I, you know, I was a Carson Wentz guy, so I'm always going to be hard on Jared. You know, Steve? I think it was the Cleveland game for me. I, that was a game where we should have walked in and slaughtered that team. They were missing their entire secondary, they were flailing. Uh, it was pretty clear after the first two weeks that they were not the team people thought they were going to be, and we won that play on the last ga- play of the game. That uh, was a game where the Ram- Jared Goff should have thrown for like 400 yards because their entire secondary was out. And we walked in there, and he got blown up. The line got blown up. The running game did nothing. We won. But to me, after that game, it was kind of hard to buy in that this team was going to be a serious contender uh, in the in the NFC. It was obviously up and down, but you can go listen to my postgame podcast, and I think that would I sounded very concerned after it. Uh, it was the most angry 3-0 and victory podcast I think I've ever had. That's well, you haven't had point, many either. Actually. <laughs> I haven't had that many. I probably <laughs> That's probably the only one. But, yeah, man, that I went to the game the week before when the Browns played the Jets, and it, it was so pathetic by the Jets, and the Browns only scored 23 points and won. And, I mean, they just they won that game, but uh, that was not a good football team, and they should have beaten them badly, and it was way too close. And then we had the string of three losses, all wildly different games. But um, I don't think I ever had the optimism I had before the Browns game after it. Johnny, your thoughts here. Yeah, absolutely. It had to have been the the Browns game. Just because, like Steve mentioned already, this, this was a team that the Rams clearly should have beaten by a wide margin. I know the NFL was still trying to figure out 
if the Browns were going to actually be a good team and not uh, follow the Super Bowl hype everyone had them at. Oh boy, well, how how south they went after that. But the fact that the Rams couldn't really win in a decisive manner and they only won by just a late field goal. Yeah, that that was a big indicator there. If if you didn't get the idea then certainly the loss to Tampa Bay should have been enough to convince you that this was not the ideal team that uh, we were hoping for going into, you know, the 2019 season. But you you could see right off the bat in uh, in Carolina too. It was just whether or not you were holding out hope that it was just, you know, kind of rust or, you know, maybe things were getting situated. It was still, um, it wasn't still the same team as it was in, in 2018. So I guess there was a little bit of hope there, but you could tell uh, right away. And Cleveland should have been your first clue for sure if you, if you couldn't tell initially. Mike, I saved you for last because you and I had numerous conversations about this throughout the year, and I'm kind of wondering if our answer is the same. When was when did you first think, hmm, this season might not go as hoped? Well, you remember we talked a lot about, man, it's good to hear you guys too, man. You guys got some great insight uh, in regards to the preseason. You know, are guys going to be rusty going into the season? And, you know, I just kind of pulled up that first game stats against Carolina. And, I mean, golf comes out with a 69 QBR, uh, only 186 yards. Uh, touchdown, interception, sacks, and then, you know, Gurley was right at 97 yards, but Malcolm Brown had 53 yards, two touchdowns. So right there is kind of indication of, okay, second string running back per se gets to two touches. Golf is not really throwing. We barely win by three points. And uh, like was stated, yeah, okay, was that rust or not? And then, you know, as we all talked about that Cleveland game, once you got to there, it just kind of was even more ridiculous on what was going on. So uh, I agree that I think the the whole combination of golf, Gurley, you know, and uh, Cooks, and then just some of the other injuries from the O-line, different things, just obviously put things out of whack. However... At the NFL level, you have to be able to overcome those type of things. And, you know, there's an old saying, you got to win the games you're supposed to win and then find a way to win the games that you're not supposed to. And unfortunately, a lot of the games this year, we didn't do either or, you know. And so that's why I just, you know, I'm looking forward to this offseason, seeing what they actually do and how they go about you know, folk refocusing things on what it takes, but you know, I'm still going to hang my hat on. You know, I just don't think the connection between Gurley and Jared Goff from a running back, quarterback, backfield situation, it just doesn't seem kosher. It is different than what I was going to say. I I don't know if you remember on my end, I wrestled this back and forth. The preseason, none of those new offensive linemen starting bothered me, and I looked at either. A, the Rams know what they're doing. They believe that this offensive line is good to go or they're making a huge mistake and you have an offensive line that's not ready and it's going to get hammered right away. And, I mean, I expressed this to you. Do you remember this now? I mean, Tommy, remember we oh, talking yeah. about this too? I mean, so 
I'm going to go when they didn't start that offensive line in preseason. That's when I was like, uh, yeah, I don't have a good feeling about this at all. And I tried talking myself out of it numerous times, and I kept going back to it, though. And that's when I thought, man, this season might not go as we hoped. Mike, so let me take this question to you. The uh, the Doomsday Sayers, they've been talking the Rams salary cap structure for months. We covered a little bit last night. Are the Rams really in all that bad of shape for 2020? Well, it, again, it, it'll be, you know, we'll see here in the next couple weeks, couple months, and actually the moves that they make based on where we're going and what we're, we're thinking about. So uh, I, I just think that you have a lot of money that was stated earlier in those guys that didn't perform well. And so are those guys going to be able to recapture some form or – did we just pay guys and now that they have money, it's just a whole different thing. You just never know how once a guy really gets paid, you know, how that's going to ultimately affect his play on the field. So hopefully this year was aberration and those guys come back stronger and better than they were the year before even. All right. Now, before I move on, though, to the rest of the question, I do want to go ahead and go over to Brian. Brian, ready to the ad read? I'm ready to do what? The ad read. You, you, you didn't get the text, did you? No, I didn't. The Jim Hawk? The Jim Hawk read. Yeah, I don't no, have... I'm just kidding, dude. You, what did you talk about for the, the salary cap structure? What's that? I'm just kidding, dude. I just wanted to know if you wanted to answer the question with the salary cap structure. <laughs> oh, you know what? I'm just watching this football game. You guys keep talking. We're good. <laughs> No, no, seriously, what, are the Rams in bad shape for the salary cap structure for next year? No, no. I mean, yes, but no. I mean, there's a lot of things they can do. Obviously, you know, I'm not a salary cap expert by any means, but I know there's ways they can shuffle around money. There's some restructuring. There's some guys that they could probably potentially release or not resign. Um, I think there's probably plenty they can do and they're a very competitive team regardless. So, no, I think they're fine. I think people are overblowing it. But obviously, those key positions are going to have to come out and, you know, perform. So, yeah. Johnny, your thoughts? You know, you have to have faith in, in uh, less need. This is a guy that's kind of the master of wheeling and dealing and kind of just taking, like, different approaches to the salary cap. So I don't think it's – I don't think, you know, you should yell the sky is falling just yet. Obviously, it's not the most ideal situation. There's a ton of huge contracts in there. But one thing you have to give Snee credit for is his creativity. And, you know, I, I have to give him props in a couple of different areas. For example, the NFL draft uh, this year, they used them pretty wisely. They used the rookies really well uh, in, in terms of, you know, who they drafted and the value they got out of it. Keep in mind, we didn't really have, you know, the high draft picks, and we won't for a long time now. But that goes to show you that you don't necessarily need the high draft picks to get that value. So I think if they continue to kind of go in this cycle of, you know, getting the talent from, you know, trades and you know, developing these young guys, it's it's gonna it's gonna work out in their favor, um, and particularly with the draft and using it um, as like a sort of way to keep money 
at bay a little bit because one of the things that we've noticed is spring loading a lot and investing into young talent doesn't always work out. And uh, we're starting to see more and more of that as uh, time progresses. So, yeah, I I don't think it's uh, a time to worry overall. I'm pretty confident in less need and should be interesting this offseason. Steve, what do you think? Yeah. Johnny, you mentioned that, uh, you know, Lesson has done a good job with the cap. And even though they have these big salaries at the top, uh, he's done some interesting things. But how do you think these big salaries at the top got there? It's it's all you know, contracts that Lesson need handed out. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, they're also big contracts that uh, nobody really faulted him for doing, you know? Um, oh, I don't think I, there's... I don't think there's really any question of any of these guys. I mean, you, you can criticize it now in retrospect. I mean, everyone could do that. But at the time being, people pretty much agreed with it. And I, I don't know if there's I don't know of too many contracts that are on the current roster. Let's 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 make that clear, current roster, that I would say that I don't completely agree with that. The only one that comes to mind is Tyler Higby and even then, I feel like uh, was a pretty worthy investment recently. <laughs> Steve, I know you've taken it back now, right? Higby was a good one? It, it, yeah, if he keeps playing like this. Uh, so we'll see. Obviously, if he keeps playing like this, it was a good one. But uh, I still, like, I will say at the time of the signing, I think the Jared Goff contract was the right move. And I'll still say that even with hindsight. I will still say at the time of the Higby signing, I thought it was, I think it's a unnecessary move you know if if you don't uh if you don't give him that extension i like i feel like you're not paying him more than he's getting now uh you probably would pay it to him now after those games but uh regardless obviously that's aged aged gracefully but i don't think the i don't think the contract situation and the star cap is like doomsday like people are saying but at the same time you look at the top of it and you got Todd Gurley making seventeen point two five million. You got Brandon Cooks making sixteen point eight million, and those guys will more than likely be here for the next two years. Uh, you could say, yeah, they'll look to trade them. You're not, the problem with trading those guys is you're not going to get anything back, uh, and it, you might even have to attach something to them to move them, which I think would be silly because, like Todd Gurley, is he worth the money? No, but at the same time, I'd rather have him as our running back. Then just give them away, and you could say you give them away. You allocate the money elsewhere, maybe. But and a lot of people are saying that the Rams they can restructure Jared Goff and add seventeen million to the cap this year by by moving his twenty one million dollar roster bonus and spreading it across the rest of his contract. But I don't think it's a guarantee that he would give up seventeen million dollars this year. Uh, you know what I mean? So like I know he's he's a selfless guy probably, but. I feel like I'm kind of selfless, and if you told me I had to spread out $17 million over five years, I'm probably going to tell you to walk away because I'm going to take that money. So, But at the same time, uh, like Johnny did mention, he's drafted well, and I think the emergence of Bobby Evans and David Edwards and even Austin Corbett to agree to agree will make the situation a little easier. They're also probably going to cut Eric Weddle. 
Uh, Rob Havenstein is, I think, actually a movable contract, and I think it would be in the best interest of the team to move him unless Whitworth were to retire and they wanted to put him at left tackle. Uh, But I don't think the salary cap is that dire, but the problem is Corey Littleton, Dante Fowler, those guys are probably going to be making eight figures, uh, and I don't know if they'll be able to keep both of them. And then they also have Austin Blythe to bring back, Andrew Whitworth, who they'd have to bring back if he comes back. Uh, Michael Brockers is a free agent. He might get a pretty penny. So I, it's not too dire, but at the same time, you'd be silly to say it's not a concern. Tommy, we've talked about this. Put it all out there, man. Where are you, where are you on all the, uh, the salary cap? Yay or nay? Yeah, you, you know I don't sweat this stuff because this is what I excel at, right? This is what I do. The, the salary cap is my hobby because I know the game, right? You play it long enough, you study it long enough, you know the game. There's only so much you can learn. So about a decade ago, I moved into the financial side of the business because I wanted to learn something new. I'm staring at spot track right now, and I'm going to tell you right now, Tyler Higby only took 0.92% of the salary cap this year, less than 1%. Okay, you think it was worth it? I do. Right, the highest paid player in the NFL over the last 25 years takes about 17 percent of the cap, and that hasn't changed because the salary cap keeps going up. So the percentages don't. All right, right now the highest player on our team, Aaron Donald, this year only took nine percent of the cap. Okay, that's less than almost less than half of what the highest paid player in the league gets. Now, Jared Goff, if they don't restructure his contract, contract next year he will be getting 17 point. of the cap, which is the max for the highest paid player in the league per annual calendar year. So he'll be right at that mark, but that's the average. That's so that it's telling you that it's not egregious. It's just the norm, right? People, uh, if you don't want to panic about this stuff, start doing your homework, start understanding how it all works, how you can move money around. It's not as bad as you think. And, and the cap over the last four years has gone up on average 12 million per year this year for the first time in over a, man quite a few years it's projected to go up 20 million instead of 12 and if that's the case and we move a few uh things around uh me and sosa were talking about this earlier today because he really likes to dive into the cap too we could easily have 60 million in cap space by free agency so i'm not worried at all i'm totally not worried about it at all and i've been really been i've been annoyed i've been been talking about this a lot i'm annoyed the media coverage on this because it's like all these dudes writing the same article over and over and over again, trashing everything about the Rams in terms of how they're doing it. it it's, it's a bunch of garbage. All you have to do is actually go look at spot track over the cap and then look down deeper at the dead money numbers and see how you can play around. There's a lot you can do. There's a lot the Rams can do, and my belief is they're going to have just as much cap space this year as they had last year, if not much more. I mean, they have options. They have a lot of options. Now, is it perfect? Like, I agree, Steve. Steve's saying, yeah, it's a concern. Yeah, there is a lot of concern there. But they're not frozen. They're not dead. Their future is still workable. And they already have their their number one draft pick. That's going to be Jalen Ramsey. And they're not going to have to worry about paying out a first-round pick the next two years as part of that salary cap. They have their one guy. It's going to cost them some money, yes. But, you know, it's, it's not the end of the world. They're going to be fine. And... I, you know, I, really, again, calling up the mainstream media on this, it's a bunch of garbage that you can go out there and, and put the stuff out there and it not even be remotely accurate. 
Take five stinking minutes and go look at it. Go look at these guys' contracts. Don't give a cursory look. Go look deeper, and you can find, for example, that Todd Gurley can be moved post-June 1st via trade and it not be all that bad of a problem. We were yeah. talking about this at the tailgate yesterday that a lot of us got into the wrong business. I, if, if I could go back, you know, and my son's one years old, I'm going to push him to either be a meteorologist or a sports media analyst because you don't have to have any credibility and you could say whatever you want and still get a fat paycheck. So I'm pushing him towards it, man. Money talks. And you don't even have to you don't even have to do any homework, dude. It's unreal how insane some of the top guys are in, in this industry and what they put out there. It's unbelievable. Derek, you keep so saying though is, that uh if you got sixty million in cap space, where are you putting it? Well, that's a good question, but I'm telling you right now, I'm not letting the kid who we took a chance on and gave an opportunity to as an undrafted free agent out the door. Corey Littleton stays, in my opinion. He's a turnover machine, and he's an amazing football player. He was a safety in college, so he just has that mentality. He knows how to cover, and they're not asking him to cover wide receivers. They're asking him to cover running backs and tight ends, which is no tall order for him. You know, I think he's an amazing player, and I do not want to see him go anywhere else. That would be my main focus. Steve, where are you trying to go? It, you keep saying that like we could have as much cap space as we did last year. We didn't have any cap space last year. We had we were able to get it down to we, no money. we were able to get it down to if I remember correctly, was it thirty five between thirty five and forty two at one point before it came back down? Before I started making yeah, moves. But, That's what I think they like, can get. But a big problem of last year was we didn't have a lot of money and we had to lose Sappold, we had to lose Joiner, which is fine. Uh but the only guy we were able to pay double digits was um, with his Fowler. And then with the, other, the only real other acquisitions we made were bringing in vets on uh, team-friendly deals. But technically, I mean, if you really think about it, Steve, do we really need a lot of help? We have a we have a pretty good roster, you know what I mean. I know we didn't. We they made a choice to keep Fowler for one more year and not keep Saffold. In hindsight, when we started the season, we were like, "Wow, that was a bad move because of how bad our offensive linemen did." But the two guys that we drafted this year, Bobby Evans and David Edwards, when they finally got their opportunity, they excelled. So at the end of the day, even though we finished nine and seven, we missed the playoffs. Did did Leslie make the wrong choice? Probably not. You know, when you get this far along and you have this deep of a pretty a pretty decent roster, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of a moot point to be like, who are we going to bring in? You know, you kind of just got to pick and choose your battles. And when you're drafting well, it's not about bringing people in. It's about retaining the good guys you already brought in, you know. And hey, I'm follow- with you, Tommy. I just you guys were being a little too like friendly about it. There's definitely some bad some bad salaries on the books here. But at the same time, like. Like you said, uh, them hitting on most of their draft picks this year, especially on Evans and Edwards being real players, that helps us a lot because if those two guys didn't emerge and the line just kept floundering like it did, we would be in some serious trouble. But uh, that's always been Snead's strength is hitting on those mid-round picks. So you got to yeah, credit him. Let's, yeah, I agree. We didn't, we, let's not give Snead too much credit. There have been some mistakes. Do I agree with him extending Jared Goff as early as he did or signing Todd Gurley, a running back, to a long-term deal or Rob Havenstein? No, I don't agree with any of those contracts. I don't. And that's, you know, I'm always going to question the GM and some of the, mis- you know, the, the mistakes that they make in, in our opinions. But at the same time, overall, I mean – 
like I always tell Derek, if you hit on 50% of your draft picks every year, you're a hero because it's not easy. I mean, it's not. If you have seven picks and, and three or four of them are good, wow, you did a fantastic job. And he's done that so far. You know, he's done a decent job. I just want to clarify that I'm going to get to the ad here. Notice what I said, though, Steve. I said, Steve, there are concerns. I actually agree with you. My feeling, though, is it's going to be similar to what they had to do last year. You know, they're going to get veterans to come in and take a pay cut because they think they can win. They're going to get, I'm, I'm going to say they're going to get a fair amount of draft picks right. Not like this year, they get almost all of them right. They're going to swing a few things around. So that's why I'm saying I'm not worried because I haven't, I'm not confident this, this front office is going to do things perfectly because no front office does, but they are good enough at the game to be able to work with it and figure things out. Sooner or later, they're going to pay the piper with these salaries. And we, you know, either in 2020 or 2021, but how you can maneuver with it, it's what's going to keep you winning. And now it's just about maneuvering. And I think they're going to do something similar last year. That's just what I mean. There's concerns, but it's not dire. If you if you read Yahoo Sports, if you read all these different places, Bleacher Report, they're all talking about how awful the Rams are going to be. And was um, Jay Busby for Yahoo Sports saying they're screwed? And to put it politely, he meant the other way. No, they're not. And that's garbage if you think it is. You, you didn't even spend any time at all looking at it. Are there concerns? Sure. To me, the girly contract's the worst contract on the books there in terms of what it, where I put them this year next year unless you can trade them. Yeah, I mean, Gurley's cap number was only four, um, 4.86% of the cap, which is really low. If he would have got 250 touches this year, would we be saying it was a bad number? I mean, probably Well, my not. issue with it is because of the basic belief in my gut that you could find running backs everywhere that's my that's just my philosophy on it. you can find running backs so i don't want to pay it that's just my personal philosophy is all it is but that, no, you, you 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 i agree 100 percent. i agree but since we already paid him we might as well use him you know sure. put him out there sure. give him the ball you they, they used him too late this year they they realized that the problem is is that they didn't use any running backs in the beginning of the season if they would have gave malcolm and, and daryl all the carries and balance the load, things would have been different. They didn't run the ball hardly at all. That's that's a big problem. Anyone have anything you want to add before you the ad? That contract really it hasn't really even kicked in yet. It, it, like the four years of the contract start next year. So that's really like the, the kicker on that is that he, he did not make a ton of money this year. And that's what to me hurts, but there is the, the trade out at the end if you can if you can make it to June. Somehow, some way, probably for the Ramsey extension, you can get something back for him. And I know Sosa was talking about trading him before June 1st, but they're going to have a $12 million dead cap. At that point, I don't want to do that. Either you're going to trade him in June, and it's going to change. It'll affect this year next year, but it won't be as bad. Or you keep him here. Man, I hit right on it. Jared Goff's cap number for next year is 17.38%. Right on the Right on the money, man. All right, so we're actually, this is going, I mean, I should have known better. We'll get all these talkers in here, and some people are being quiet. We're, we're going to run long. So we're going to do one more question to end the night. Before we get there, our sponsor. I cannot continue without shouting out Jim Hawk, his book, Hall of Team. 
Great glamour of the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. This book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out the story of his father and the team he played for, an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. You can read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Hurst, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at hollywoodsteam. It's also both on hardback, electronic form, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Folks, it's also available this Friday in paperback. So if you're one of the, the people who must have the paperback instead of the online, you want to be different. It's there. It's available in various different booksellers on the Internet. It's for a great cause, homeboy industries. Just trust and check it out. All we're seeing, great glamour. And the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth it. I'm telling you, it's worth it. Okay. I have several other questions, so I guess we'll have to do another another roundtable here. Maybe around the time when Free Agency starts, we'll get to it. But I want to ask you guys, what is your craziest prediction for 2020? So take a second. Lay out, you know, I'll kind of give you a minute to think. Laid out for you. It could be free agency. It could be the draft. It could be how the team performs next year. It could be somebody breaking out next year. What is your craziest prediction for 2020? And we haven't heard from Brian for a while. So, Brian, let us know what is that craziest prediction? The Rams trade Jalen Ramsey and get two firsts back and a fourth, and no one's going crazy because we actually have draft picks and we can stabilize the offensive line under cost control and everything is gravy because we got two young corners waiting in the wings, actually three probably if you add David Long to the mix who didn't get much play. And we're good. Okay. Wow. I didn't expect that one at all. Tommy. The Rams trade Jared Goff and sign Teddy Bridgewater as their starting quarterback. <laughs> you actually Jesus went there. <laughs> you actually went there. I you looked said it crazy. Up. You said it's, crazy. It's I don't bananas. Think it's crazy, but most people do. It's bananas. At least you didn't say Tom Brady. Ugh! Throw up in my mouth. I, I, you're, I'm going because I don't remember. I don't have the number memorized. But as of right now, that Jared Goff deal is, is what for, for dead cat for next year, fifty one million dollars on the front. You look crazy, but guess what? If they wait till after June first. It's actually not too bad. They would save $31 million for the cap for next year. It's a $5 million hit, but 2021 would take a $15 million. It's actually doable if they wait till yeah, after June 1st. Yeah, but there's no way they trade their quarterback in June. Can you imagine if they traded, like, if after the free agency and the draft, we just trade our quarterback? Like, no way. I know it's a crazy prediction, but, like, no way that happens. Hey, I asked for crazy predictions. I mean, I'm just saying. (laughs) He said crazy. He said crazy. crazy. (laughs) Let's go. Come on. What you guys got? Yeah, Steve, what do you have? What's your prediction? I don't know. Uh, Let's say Todd Gurley rushes for 1,200 yards. Uh, I'm not sure that's crazy. He ran for 850 this year in 16 games. And I think the offensive line will be better next year. I, I hope so. Hey, did you know the offensive line? 15 games. No, he played like... Oh, you're right. Okay. You're right. Sorry, Brian. Um, you know the offensive line gave up the fewest sacks in the NFL this year? It did. Isn't that nuts? It's yep. awesome, right? <laughs> that is, blew my mind. If we can do another... if we That was action and get to that later on in, in the uh, 
the show, but then we, we ran long. So maybe if we can do it in a round table, we'll do it again. Um, hey, I don't got to tomorrow. New Year's Eve, baby. <laughs> I got it. So, Johnny. Well, actually, no. Jeez. Now, you, you gave a prediction. See, Johnny, what's your prediction? Uh, I don't really have anything that crazy. I guess I got, if I, I had I to. Wait, what happened? I said I kind of screwed you guys with my wacky prediction. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I if I had to guess, uh, or if I had to just throw something out there, I guess uh, Daryl Henderson will challenge Todd Gurley for the starting running back position next year. I like it, Johnny. Get out of here, man! You, oh, you took my ah, you fine. Yeah, I think another one. Mike, can you help well, me? You can you give me a minute, Mike? What's well, your prediction? You What's your crazy prediction for next year? Now, my prediction is not so crazy. Ron Rivera passes up head coaching opportunities, becomes the Ram DC. So in that, he also brings with him Cam Newton in a trade for Jared Goff. Holy mother Mary gosh. You said that's not crazy, Mike? That, that's pretty crazy, man. <laughs> the second part was was crazy, and I kind of dug it. But I was hoping this thing, but I'm almost sure Washington signed up right now. To be no, it is not um, signed yet. There's been some kind of delay. No, no, I know it's not. I know it's not, and I'm hoping that it falls through because I was really hoping for him too. And I was talking to the guys about it uh, yesterday at the tailgate. They're like, "Oh, he's going to get a head coaching job," and I'm like, "I'm sure he's going to have plenty of offers. A lot of guys do, but maybe." Uh, being a head coach this long, a lot of guys like to take a step back and make good money and just be a, a DC or another. There you go. See it all the time. So you can't really predict what somebody wants to do. Sometimes too much power is not a lot of fun. And maybe he wants to spend more time with his kids. These head coaches work like 17 hours a day, dude. So you got to look at it that way as well. All right. Uh, I guess it's my turn, right? Crazy yes, prediction. Well, I don't think it's crazy for the Rams to compete for the division title next year. Um, so I can't I can't say that. I was gonna go Daryl Henderson, that was taken away. I am gonna roll with Sebastian Joseph Day emerging next year as a key partner for that's right, the man, the myth, the legend, Aaron Dahl, with his role being switched a little bit with the loss of Michael Brockers. I expect Sebastian Joseph Day to put together a career year next year in that defensive line gets a lot more stout in the middle. That's my crazy prediction. That's all I got. I wish I had something better. John, jerk. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good prediction. What happens yeah. when you're last, dude? You kind of set yourself up for failure. Andrew Luck <laughs> comes out of retirement, plays for the Rams. Now we're talking. <laughs> to keep him coming, Mike. Now we're <laughs> well, well, but you know, we'll ask for a revise. Well, you know, I think we'll save um, more of this roundtable for right before the offseason actually kicks off um, in February here. But save. Well, I'll ask that question again, pending new new moves to see if anybody changes their mind, folks. It is time for us to go. We all look for sponsors for next year. You have a, a awesome group of characters here, and. Hopefully that gets you looking at all of, our, all of our podcasts. You can use your help though. Reach out to us at ransom1945 at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail at 657-665-453. We have a media kit ready to get out to you. Remember, we are also part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. You can find all of us 
on Twitter. Brian, Tommy, me, Mike, Steve, Johnny, all this crew, we're always on there talking all kinds of football, especially when it comes to the Rams. Make sure you give us a listen, and we'll be back. I, you know, we, I kind of liked it. We didn't, we didn't have a whole lot of topics between everybody. We like a little bit more. We're going to change the rules next time out to make it a little more entertaining. we got to get Brian talking more, but he's watching football. So, all that in mind, it's time to go. For the entire staff here, Derek C. Paul saying we're out of here. We'll see you probably this weekend. We're out. Go Gators. Later. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.